to Attention to Detail. This is our second to last musical spark notes episode here on our review of the ring cycle. We'll be looking at act two of Gotodamarang today. It's going to be a short one because I want to save the majority, the brunt of the material and the review for act three, which is the incredible culminating act of this entire massive cycle by Wagner. Quick announcement, just I mentioned it before, but but keep an eye out in the next uh, couple of weeks because we'll be launching our blog here at Attention to Detail on our website, www.attentiontodetailpod.com. And on that, we'll try to have some little articles about listening tips, maybe some videos can answer some listener questions. It'll be, I think, a fun way to interact with the audience a little bit more. It'll give uh, me and guests an opportunity to talk about um, some things in written form that we might not necessarily talk about on the podcast or in a different way than we talk about on the podcast. So I'll, we'll, we'll have an episode actually formally announcing that blog soon, but it's just something to, to keep an eye out for. But let's uh, dive right in with Act 2 of Get to Mang today. And if you remember where we left off, Siegfried had just, he disguised himself through the use of a magic potion. He's been tricked by Gunther, Gertruna, and most importantly, Hagen, the villain of Götterdamerang, um, into, he's taken this love potion. He has now fallen in love with Gutruna, whose brother is Gunther, and Gunther wants a wife for himself. And so Gunther, Hagen, the drugged Siegfried, they're all in on this plot to, uh, to take Brunhilde out of her protective magic fire enchantment and win her as a bride for Gunther. And behind all of this, as we know, is Hagen's real goal or plot to gain the ring for himself. So that's where we open. And let's just listen to a little bit of the very imposing music from the beginning of this act two, where we open on Hagen and his father, Alberic, the dwarf that we met all the way back in Das Rheingold, the original stealer of the ring, the original cursor of the ring. Um, here is Alberic and Hagen, the opening of Act Two. So we actually got to hear a motif there that we've heard several times, that of Alberic's will, that very low-sounding brrrm. And that kind of has represented throughout this opera the idea that Alberic is in some way imposing his own will, his own plots on everything that's been going on. And this will certainly uh, come into play here in this scene and in this act. So we open with Hagen is very weirdly in this kind of half-sleep. It's specified very specifically by, by Wagner that he's, his eyes are open, but he's laying motionless. I'm not sure what that's supposed to symbolize necessarily, but in any case, Hagen is kind of half-asleep, and Albrecht, his father, is talking to him. We hear a lot of the ring motif in this section, and Albrecht tells Hagen... You know, he no longer feels, fears Wotan. Wotan's spear has been shattered. He's lost control of events. Um, he's got this young, ardent, naive, 
kind of all over the place hero in Siegfried, who he thought would be doing his will, but clearly has gone off on his own and is un- unwieldy. Um, and now Albrecht says his curse lies on Siegfried, who should have control over everything, the Nibelungs, the gods with this ring, but he doesn't really realize the power that he has with this ring. He's still just this kind of young uh, and naive hero. And so let's just listen to a very quick uh, clip here where Alberic makes his clear intentions known to Hagen. He says, The golden ring must thou rob from the Velsung. The Velsung is Siegfried. A woman wise holdeth him in her love. If by her read to the Rhine's fair daughters, who in watery deeps my wisdom bewitched, his hand should give back the ring. Forever lost were the gold, and no wiles could it win again. So he's saying, you know, Brunhilde is actually very smart, and she knows this ring is cursed, or she'll figure it out, and she'll try to give it back to the Rhine maidens. We can't let that happen. We need the ring for ourselves. And so he's saying this, and let's listen to the short clip when he says that, because we hear several very important motifs, quick succession, and it's a very important line. He's telling Hagen, you need to win the ring for yourself. So here's that moment in, in the beginning of Act Two. He says that line, we get an excellent display of, of the musical density of Götterdamrung in this passage, because he starts that passage when he's saying the line, the golden ring must thou rob from the Velsung. We hear the Velsung motif, if you remember it goes like this. So we hear him sing that, and then almost immediately after that he mentions you know, Brunhilde will give this back to the Rhine maidens if he gets the chance, and we hear this. That's the kind of Rhine maiden motif that we heard right in the beginning of Das Rheingold. And then we hear the ring motif right after that when he mentions, you know, she can't throw back the ring to the Rhine maidens, we need that for our power. So quick, quick succession of light motifs. They come faster and more intensely in Götterdamrung than any other of his operas, I think. It's just this incredible layering of these motif that, motifs that we've come to understand over the course of these three operas. So, Albrecht asks Hagen to swear that he will get the ring back. There's a lot of oaths that are made throughout this cycle, but here he says, swear that you'll get the ring back. I have raised you for this. I've made you this brave, uh, in Albrecht's mind, hero, maybe villain. It's kind of a similar, Albrecht has his, you know, hero or villain that he's trying to manipulate here, and Hagen, Wotan, has his, and Siegfried. Everybody's being manipulated, raised by everyone. And let's listen to the brief moment, because it's, again, an important one, where Hagen swears, okay, I will do this. I will win back the ring from Siegfried. Oh, 
right. So as Hagen swears to take back the ring, we hear what probably has become maybe the most familiar leitmotif to us now, because it's so prevalent, that of the curse, Alberic's curse. And so clearly this is going to be a bad thing for Hagen, just like it has been for, for everyone else. So quick first scene. This act has five scenes. It's, it's I think, the only act... Uh, up until now, that hasn't had three scenes, but weirdly, this second act has five very quick scenes. And so we start now on scene two, and we get this new this passage that, again, the sun rises. There's a stage indication that the Rhine is supposed to start kind of glowing with the sunrise. And we've seen many sunrises or kind of dawn moments in this opera already. We've seen one at the very beginning of Das Rheingold, where we start at the depths of the Rhine and rise up. We saw one earlier in this opera when Brunhilde and Siegfried wake up. And here we get yet another kind of dawn uh, moment. It sounds a little bit like the Rhine motif, but it's been changed slightly to be a representation of Hagen waking up instead of whoever else might have been waking up before. So here's that moment, a little bit of this dawn sequence at the beginning of scene two. find these moments in Wagner to be incredible. He's such a fantastic kind of airy writer for the brass and the woodwinds. He just creates these incredible vast expanses and it really does feel like the sun is rising, one of his many strengths as a composer. So we get this dawn music and then we shortly after this we hear the Tarnhelm motif again. You'll remember the Tarnhelm is that magic helmet that Siegfried used to to transform himself. It's been playing a big role so far in, in this opera. And then we hear Siegfried's horn to, to represent that he's showing up. So Hagen wakes up, Siegfried arrives, greets Hagen, and kind of recaps what happened. He tells him how he, you know, met Brunhilde. He was disguised as Gunther. He, he took the ring. He sees Gatruna then, Siegfried sees Gatruna, and he is still very much in love via the love potion. Um, and so we hear a lot of kind of loving music when he speaks to Gutruna and true Wagnerian style. They have a long conversation where they kind of recap all of that, all of what happened in the previous act. So we'll kind of skip that for now. Um, we hear tons of leitmotifs as they recap this, but hopefully we listen to the previous recap. And so we know what happened in the previous act. So we'll skip that for now. So we go on to scene three and scene three is this scene where Hagen decides... So Siegfried has shown up, and Gunther and Brunhilde are coming behind him, so they're not here yet. And Hagen decides he's going to call all of the vassals from this Gibichung kingdom. You'll remember Gunther and Gutruna are member of, members of the Gibichung race, different from the Nibelungs, different from the gods, different from the Velsungs. And so Hagen is calling to his kingdom... All of the vassals unite, and he sends this kind of battle cry out 
to the vassals of this kingdom. And so let's hear a little bit of this music. It's very epic music. We hear uh, Hagen's motif several times. He plays this hunting horn that's supposed to call all of the, uh, the vassals. So let's listen to a little portion of, of this passage. Music, uh, Hagen, this, this bass is singing. He sings very low and he's calling all the vassals. We hear the Gibichung motif for all these vassals that goes like this. That gets played out as they're summoned. And then, very importantly at the end, we also hear that motif that we'll probably hopefully remember from many times before the downfall, the twilight of the gods. The title of this opera, Gachadamarum, Twilight of the Gods, that goes like this. Happens very quickly right at the end of this passage. So, Hagen calls all these vassals. They actually, there's this big men's chorus section where they're singing, you know, Hail to the Gibichungs, Hail to... Hagen, and they think they're coming to battle. They don't actually understand why they've been called. They think they're, they're getting ready for a battle, but Hagen actually just wants them to come and greet Gunther and Brunhilde, so he's kind of, in a way, he's sounded a false alarm here. This is a cool section of music. If you want to listen to it, it's at about 2 hours and 21 minutes in the recording that I'll attach below. But just as a little example of this, this big male chorus, all of the vassals, uh, coming, I'll play a short excerpt here. Here's one of the passages from this this uh, scene three where Hagen rounds up all the vassals of the Gibichung kingdom. So we're already on to scene four out of five, and the vassals are there, and now they welcome Gunther and his new, in theory, bride. Uh, this, this is an odd way to win a bride, but uh, they welcome Gunther. There's this big, long section where they sing this kind of glorious chorale, very triumphant, and Gunther comes off the boat. He greets his sister, and he's excited. They both have spouses now, um, unclear exact, or, or they're going to have spouses. The wedding is, is imminent, but they have uh, fiancés, and Gunther is excited, but then Brunhilde comes off the boat, and there's a short moment where Siegfried is standing there, and Brunhilde sees Siegfried for the first time since he left 
the magic rock. Because, of course, last time she encountered Siegfried, he was transformed. She thought he was Gunther. So suddenly she was on the boat with the real Gunther, who she thought was kind of her captor, and she was she's still in love with Siegfried. But then she steps off the boat and sees Siegfried here. And let's hear that moment where she, brief moment, where she sees Siegfried, he's standing there singing, and suddenly she catches his eye and something is very, very amiss. So there we can hear one of Siegfried's motifs that's attached to him, the, that of the sword, Notung, and right in the middle of that we hear this cataclysmic chord where Brunhilde makes eye contact with Siegfried and sees, uh, you know, maybe what's going on here. So she maybe doesn't realize the full implications of it yet, but she will. So we hear the destiny motif, the one that signals, or fate, the one that has always been kind of a, a signaler of doom, or portending doom. And then let's listen to one more passage right at the beginning of this scene where she's kind of struggling for words and she asks him if he knows who she is. And over this, she sings this over her own motif, the Brunhilde motif that we had heard when they woke up together on the mountaintop proclaiming their love for each other. And then she sees the ring on his finger right at this moment. And we hear the curse motif and the downfall motif right after she sees the ring and she's terrified because this is, she realizes the real Gunther is not the one who took the ring from her, it was Siegfried. Um, so here's that moment, very important moment. Brunhilde is struggling for words and then she realizes what has happened. sees the ring, she realizes the, the treachery and betrayal. So Hagen then asks Brunhilde about the tale of the ring, what, what this is, what the deal is. Of course we know he knows, but Brunhilde tells this tale. She says how Gunther stole the ring, and she doesn't understand how it's on Siegfried's hand. But then she, she's realizing what happened, and she declares Siegfried a traitor and a thief. She's incredibly upset. She's, she's kind of losing her mind in a way. She's, she's so upset. So Hagen, uh, acting his part, he comes between them, and he decides, okay, let's swear that you, your account of what happened is true. And so uh, he asks Brunhilde, do you swear that Siegfried gave you the ring and it was stolen? And Brunhilde is kind of flailing all over the place. He's a liar and betrayed. She appeals to the gods. She thinks she's cursed. She's asking for the death of her betrayer. Um, and let's listen to a moment when she's at the height of her anger. 
She says, Away, betrayer, self-betrayed one. Hearken then, all men, know ye. There standeth he whose wife am I. So she's saying, you know, we're, we were going to be married. If not, I don't think they're already married, but we were going to be married, Siegfried and I. That ring was the token of our love, and he is a traitor. So this is bad for, for Gunther because uh, this is supposed to be his wife. It's bad for Siegfried. It's bad for everybody. Let's listen to this moment when uh, Brynhilda accuses Siegfried of being a traitor. Brynhilde is pretty pissed off, understandably. We hear that downfall of the gods motif again at the end of that passage. We always hear that at the end of passages, and it's kind of, it's got this incredible feeling of resignation to it, like you've resigned yourself to this fate. That's one of the great things about that motif, and so many of, of Wagner's motifs is that they contain kind of the emotional content of what they're trying to express. So, Siegfried, of course, says she's lying. He's, he's deluded by the, the, this potion. And he only swore a blood oath to Gunther. And so he feels like his honor is attacked because he made this blood oath in the previous act to Gunther. So we hear all this tumultuous music. They both say they're slandering each other and dishonoring each other because all of these oaths have been made and they're being broken and honor is being, you know, betrayed. Um, and so Hagen, conveniently, he's, he, he knows what to do. He offers his spear, there's a new spear on the scene, and it's Hagen's spear, as something that they can both swear on. Um, you'll remember Hunding, the character from Valkyrie, that the um, kind of evil character there, the predecessor to Hagen. I think it's no coincidence that their names both happen to start with H. Their motifs sound very similar. Uh, Hunding also had his spear. Wotan had a spear. Hagen now offers up his spear as something they can both swear on, just like Wotan's spear was a sign of oaths that have been made. And so they both sing the same very dramatic oath music. You know, I swear on the spear. That will be a motif that we'll hear in a little bit. Um, very dramatic moment. They both sing the exact same oath. You know, I swear that I'm telling the truth. And uh, so clearly this is going to end badly because... Someone, of course, is not telling the truth, and we know that to be Siegfried because he's been deluded, tricked by this potion. So we hear this big orchestral interlude with the Gutruna motif several times because Siegfried is like, I'm out of here, I, I'm telling the truth. He calls Brunhilde a liar, and he leaves to go off to the wedding feast for him and his bride-to-be Gutruna. We hear this kind of triumphant Gutruna motif music. And then we move on to the final scene five. We have three characters left on the stage, Brunhilde, Gunther, and Hagen. So Brunhilde kind of meditates on what could have happened. She's kind of reflecting what, what is going on. 
Um, their love motif returns over this passage of kind of mourning. So she asks, who will give me their sword, defend my honor? And Hagen, of course, is there, as always. He's like, I will do this. And there we hear again the oath motif that they just sang when they both swore an oath over Hagen's spear. So let's hear this passage where Hagen says, I will give you my sword conveniently around to offer his services to slay Siegfried, all part of his plan. So Brunhilde is actually starting that passage singing Hagen's motif. So we know Hagen is going to be the one to, to avenge her. And then we hear in the bassoon, that low buzzing instrument, this motif that goes like this. So that is the oath that both Brunhilde and Siegfried have sung when they're holding Hagen's spear claiming that they're the ones telling the truth. And we hear that when she asks, you know, who will give me their sword? So Hagen asks Brunhilde, how can I kill him? He seems, you know, he's this hero. He's, he's not able to be slain. But she tells him there's a weak point in his back. That's the, it's like his Achilles heel, his back. Um, and so Gunther is there too. He, he kind of felt dishonored by Brunhilde's outburst. She has claimed publicly that Siegfried was to be her husband. Um, and so he's upset by this. And Hagen says the only thing that can restore his honor, naturally, is Siegfried's death. So he says this, we hear more of this downfall motif. We hear Hagen's motif, his sinister motif, many times. And Gunther says he feels betrayed that Siegfried kind of reneged on this, this blood oath. And so they all start singing. There's this famous trio at the end of this act where they're all singing together. Um, they're all singing that Siegfried must perish, but they all have their own kind of motifs. And so they're all singing different texts. And most importantly, Hagen is singing about his motivations to get the ring and to rule the Nibelungs, while Brunhilde is lamenting the loss of her, her hero and Gunther is lamenting the loss of his honor. So let's hear a little bit of that, that trio here, just to, this is a very famous moment, just a little sample, but again, if you want to listen to this whole thing, it's around three hours and four or five minutes into our recording below. So here's a little sample of that trio where they're all singing different things, but talking about, you know, their intentions and why Siegfried must, must die. So we've come to the end of the act. These characters are singing very dramatically about their intentions, and we've got a real kind of uh, 
build up for what's going to happen in Act 3. Everybody has their motivations, what they're aiming to achieve in this final act. Hagen wants the ring. Brunhilde wants to... Uh, wants Siegfried dead for this treachery. Gunther wants his honor restored. Siegfried has no clue what's going on. Gutruna is also similarly kind of confused. And so as we end the act, I want to read you this kind of, I want you to hear the end of the act, but here's the uh, stage directions for the end of this act. As Gunther turns impetuously with Brunhilde to the hall, the bridal procession issuing therefrom meets them. Um, Siegfried is on a shield and Gutruna is on a seat borne by the men. On the rising ground at the back, men and women servants take implements and animals for sacrifice by various mountain paths to the altars, blah, blah, blah. Um, the women invite, invite Brunhilde to accompany them to Gutruna's side. Brunhilde stares blankly at Gutruna, who beckons her with a friendly smile. As Brunhilde is about to step back impetuously, Hagen steps in and forces her towards Gunther, who seizes her again, whereupon he allows himself to be raised onto a shield by the vassals. So they're being carted off to their separate kind of marriage ceremonies. Brunhilde very much against her will. She wants Siegfried dead. Gunther also wants Siegfried dead uh, for him, Siegfried, causing all of this dishonor. And Hagen has manipulated everything here and is really working the, uh, you know, the back channels to ensure Siegfried's death. And he has a plan to get the ring here. So let's listen to the end of the act. We will close with this very dramatic end to act two. And I hope to see you back for our closing episode of Musical Spark Notes, the final act of Gatunamurung. Thanks as always for joining us, and here's the end of Act Two.